Hi and welcome. I'm Daniel Rickman, your mayor and guide to everything that's happening around town. Deep dive with us into the heart of the best kept secret in the Southeast, Columbia, South Carolina. From the buzzing culinary scene to the business trailblazers pushing our city's boundaries, we're here to give you an insider's glimpse into the vibrant tapestry of people, places, and opportunities that make Columbia unparalleled. Thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around the Town. We're very excited today because we have two of our neighboring mayors here as our guests. We have Tom Andrews from Forest Acres right down the road. Uh, If you don't know where it is, then we need to have a deeper conversation. Uh, And then our friend from across the river, Tim Miles, um, who's been a guest before. We actually uh, um, enjoy having Tim and working together as we all work together. But, you know, we're going to have some interesting conversation. We're going to hear what's happening in each one of their areas today. Uh, of their cities and kind of what they're thinking and some of the challenges that they have and some of the programs and projects they got going. And then we're going to kind of dive into how important it is that we all continue to work together as a region and really promote the Midlands as the place to be. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Tim first. Tim, how about the fill us in what's happening in the big city of West Columbia? Hey, it's so nice to be back here with you again today. Enjoyed last time having a chance to talk with you. Nice to see Tom as well. Excited to hear about what's going on in Columbia and Forest Acres. Um, you know, we've got a lot going on. It's Christmas time. We just finished up with our annual Parade of Lights over Casey West Columbia Springdale Chamber. Put that on. It was a phenomenal turnout. Great, great night. Um, folks are definitely in the Christmas spirit over across the river. And I'm sure they are here as well. And we're really looking forward to just having some time to to spend with our friends and neighbors and family and and celebrate all that this season really means. So, um, we've got a lot of different projects going on. We've got a lot of infrastructure work going on across our entire town. Folks have noticed the revitalization energy that we have going in the River District over the last several years. And we've worked to do that groundwork to try to push that revitalization on deeper into the interior of West Columbia. And a lot of those projects are things that you don't see and notice whenever you drive by is putting water lines in the ground and sewer lines in the ground and reworking roadways. But those projects are coming to completion now. And I'm very, very excited and looking forward to the next year or two where you'll really start to see the above ground parts of those uh, projects. We've got a very large uh, rework of Meeting Street which is what we call our side of Gervais, right? So you cross the bridge and it turns into meeting, but it's still Highway 1. It's all Highway 1. So, um, but as soon as you crest the hill at State Street, <clears throat> we're doing a, a road diet, dropping um, those four lanes down to primarily two. There'll be certain stretches that have three lanes for some turns. Um, but between there and Ninth Street, which is almost into Triangle City, we're going to drop that down to primarily two lanes, incorporate some on-street parking, some safe nice. pedestrian crossing from one side to the other, some beautification, and really give it a main street feel. Um, that section of road was built and intended to service about 30,000 cars a day. <laughs> the Jarvis-Clapman uh, bypass went in, 
and pulled most of that traffic off. So now I think it gets seven to 8,000 cars a day. So it's really overbuilt for what it is. And it lends itself to more of a main street feel than, than you know, what it currently is designed for. So we're very, very excited for that. I think it will be one of the biggest changes to West Columbia and give us a place to help expand our retail offerings. I love that idea. You know, one of the things that we constantly hear about is, is how, how do we get road diets in here? All these roads were built. Um, you know, Marion Street's got four lanes. Sumter Street's got four lanes. Assembly Street, six lanes. You know, how do we narrow that down to make it more walkable? Because that's what people want today. They want to be connected. They want to be walkable, but they want it safe. And so we're evaluating all that as well. But I think what y'all are doing, that's fantastic. That's going to change that whole corridor. Yeah. It would really give it a hometown feel. Absolutely. Having spent a decade working downtown, including at the State House, I'm very excited for the Main Street project y'all have going on. Um, over on the the far side of of the Capitol from here, yeah. I think that's going to be a very nice change in the heart of the university, and um, you know, leading up to the doorsteps of the state capitol. So, and hopefully, we can extend some of that down, and you know, tie in the Vista and, and Main Street and the State House are cut off from each other because of Assembly Street. And looking at how do we do that, that's one of the things that we're looking at trying to get DOT to partner with us. Because one of the things I want to do is shut down the whole intersection so you can have five-way walking. So make it really safe for people to commute. Because with all the visitors we get in town, that's one of those impedance that keeps people moving from district to district. And it works. Bump outs work. Walkability. I mean, wherever you go, all our young people we survey, that's what they want. Older people, that's what they want today. I think y'all are headed down the right path. Yeah, I hope so. It, it definitely helps to increase the enjoyability and livability of your downtown component. The more walkable you make it. Well, you know, I, I want to do some kind of big Christmas splash. And, you know, I've been wanting to shut down the Gervais Street Bridge for two weeks and make it a Christmas market. And so people from both sides could walk and shop and this and that. I think I might get killed by some folks, but um I still think that would be really cool. <laughs> I think the mayor in Lexington may have a problem with that. <laughs> the traffic would back up that far. So. <laughs> Tom, tell us what's happening in Forest Acres. I know uh, you've been on city council. You're newly elected mayor. You've been knee deep in it, but y'all got a lot going on over there as well. There, I mean, there's a lot of excitement. Of course, the big thing is Richland Mall. Which everybody wants to know about. And everyone it's going to be awesome. That, you know, you might as well start there. Um <clears throat> You know, congratulations on the two million you got. Well, too. so it was actually three million. We got one million economic development, and then two million oh, sort of to work better. on the park. So it's about a thirty-acre site, and we are cleaving off about seven acres to um, create a city park. We've never really we don't have anything of that scale. So whenever we have an event like Sweet Seasons is our our big holiday event, um, it's it's in a parking lot at a grocery store, which is fantastic, and we're appreciative of it, and we have. Lots of people and it works, but the idea of having our own space that can really host that and hold it, um, you know, we don't have a main street like some cities do just geographically how we're constructed, but I think that area can serve as our community center. Um, so we're excited about that. It's going to take, you know, it's sort of a generational project that, you know, we're, we're going to see demolition in sort of the March to April time span. And then really for all this to actually start going up and being online, it's going to be, you know, a couple of years. So, um, you know, it's exciting. I think people, whenever they see it going down, I think maybe that that's going to be the next wave of excitement. So, so we're working diligently with 
um, the developers on plans and ideas, finalizing those. But that's always a little bit, I mean, it, you know, it's in flux as, as the market pushes and pulls on what retail looks like or, um, you know, so, so we're working on that, but it's exciting. So they haven't fully vetted what they're going to do yet. Is that we, th- there, there are a couple of options. Okay. Um, you know, probably it's going to be a mixed use type development. So we're going to have retail and we're also going to have apartments. Um, the idea is whether there's going to be one big anchor, probably a grocery store or whether it's going to be subdivided into more retail. Of course that involves more risk with the developer. Um, all that's getting worked out. So, um, you know, hopefully whenever it starts going down, we have, we have a, a more crystallized idea of exactly what's going to happen there. It's been talked about for so long, you know, and, and having a plan and seeing, you know, based on what I've done research on, you know, what they've done in the past, this really could be a catalyst for the whole area. Here's the other thing that nobody knows that actually is the center of the entire County. Yeah. No, and and also that is, cool. is, is the yeah, actual cool. center of the whole yeah. county. Sure, and and if you look at the demographics around it, the amount of household income, I mean, it's fantastic. It's a crossroads that brings a lot of people there. So we uh, we're really hopeful that the right retail mix goes in there. That you know, it's not just a draw for Forest Acres; it's really a draw for the whole area. Um, so that's exciting. But you know, we have smaller things going on. We are about to open a park behind Cava, which is off Forest Drive. Um, you know, we, we've got a couple of great parks that are sort of used by our citizens, but this is one that I think is really interesting because it opens onto Penn branch, um, which is a Creek there. And there's a dam that, that falls. And, and so it really opens up the water to our citizens in a way that we've never been able to offer that before. And, um, I mean, you look at so many towns, rivers and streams are, are sort of such a focus. Um, people want to be outside and they want to see those amenities. And and we're excited to sort of open that up to them. Open up that trail. Well, and also I think that helps, you know, that backside of Copeland's well, is that, that's empty a, so forever. I think that's going to attract some businesses. Well, there. Th- that's exactly right. I think it's going to unlock those. So I think, you know, we, we've had conversations with Copeland's. I don't think they have a, a tenant, you know, sort of in hand, but we're actually doing some road construction behind there. So there's going to be some parking for the park. Sort of my prediction is a year after all that's complete, you're going to see, you know, a mixture of retail and restaurant there that people are going to be excited about. And so it sort of unlocks that whole area. You know, I think just an example of where public investment can sort of lead to private investment. Um, You got to plant the seed. And today, you know, I think we have to be drivers. We have to be innovative and we have to be, thinking forward, but intentional about what we're doing and what we want the outcome to be. And um, I think that's a great, that was always a wasted, that little wooded area sat back there wasted for years and years. Um, I remember when the, it wasn't Shiano's in front, it was uh, the clubhouse. They had the best wings in town. They were really unbelievable, but you always are like, all this is back here. You about how cool would it be to have a beer garden or something back there? You know, absolutely. I mean, I can see families picking up food at Cava or you know unnamed restaurant that's going to land there, and having a picnic at the park. You know, I mean, golly, having like a tap room or a brewery type thing on the back of Copeland's that you we know, need that, it. You know that that's <laughs> the dream to sort of give a space like that to you know thirty forty year olds who. You know, they want to grab a beer with friends. They might even want to bring their kids. Um, 
a space like that in Forest Acres in particular would be fantastic. It's well, something think- we're always we always pitch to people and we're just waiting for the right partner. Well, I think Tim can contest because, you know, the brewery that he has right there in the back center, families enjoy, they love being outside and the kids are playing and they're all eating and they're, I mean, they make it a Sunday brunch trip. And so it's one of, it's one of the greatest things that we've done over in West Columbia. And um, it took a little while to explain to the public that a brewery is not really a bar, you know, there's a bar component to it. But it truly is a community gathering spot. People bring their dogs. They bring their kids. Um, the way Savage is set up, you know, we've got a public courtyard out in the middle um, that has turf all through it so kids can run. They can play. There's a live music. There are day-long events. And it really, really is a true community gathering place. It's been a wonderful addition to get folks out, moving around, making their way through that entire district and area. And uh, I'm excited. I hope y'all have a, a great success with it over there as well. Um, I, I hate to see the old movie theaters go. I, I took I took some dates to watch Titanic over there back when I was in college. Uh, and um, if you would, next time when we get together, if you could stop by the other store and see Miss Linda and maybe pick up some sausage biscuits. For oh, me. that's that'd fantastic. Be wonderful. <laughs> now, if you go on Friday, you get the chicken bog. Which, oh, yeah. That, that's the time yeah. to go. I don't know if that's if, if you've been over to the other store oh, before. Oh, but- yeah. <laughs> You know, I've been going there since I started dating my wife. Um, And a lot of people don't know about the other store, you know, and you got to be patient now. (laughs) This is not fast food. And if it's crowded on a Saturday, you're going to wait. But I tell you, I love going over there and getting their their soups and stuff. Yeah. Um, Great stuff. Yeah, it really is. It's always great to have that. Well, and and you don't know who you're going to run into over there. It, I I mean, like a, you know, a kid can ride a bike over there to – to the other store and you might run into the mayor of Columbia or some retirees or some police officers. there. just a mix of people. Y'all have Savage, which is really drawn a diverse crowd. You know, we're working on a park that really the idea is to create spaces where people can meet of different backgrounds. And I mean, I think after COVID that's what we're looking for. Yeah. People are hungry to get back out. I know it's been a couple of years now, but, um, just to get out and interact and mix and mingle. Uh, I think that little bit of time when we couldn't do that really showed folks how great it is to be able to get out and mix and mingle. It's interesting because what, what I've heard is, you know, travel this past summer was at the biggest peak it's ever been internationally and domestically, you know, people really, they weren't going to the beach. They were going everywhere that they hadn't been able to go in three years, you know? Um, so it's interesting. So I think you're right. People are starving for that interaction again. And, you know, they're ready to put down their phone and go hang out. And, you know, if you're having a beer with friends or being able to play or picnic out, enjoy it, walk places, enjoy, you know, a little shopping or a little entertainment or whatever it is. I mean, look at the outdoor events that we've seen come out this past year. I mean, I know your festival was full this past year. I mean, the bridge dinner packed, sold out, you know, in minutes, you know, 1500 people and every little thing that we seem to be doing right now is just people are thriving to, to, to want that social interaction, but also just experience. They want that experience of, of a different type of event. Um, so it's exciting. Um, 
Tim, what what are y'all seeing as your challenges right now over there in West Columbia? You know, it's a matter of trying to find um, the right projects for our infill locations that we have. You know, we don't have vast tracts of land that we can go out and annex and and develop out in undeveloped areas. So we had to look for projects um, to bring into our city and then figure out a way to do it where we keep the best parts that we have and we change the parts that need to be changed. Um, so it's, it's just finding that right mix whenever we're looking for new developments to come in. And then on top of that, balancing parking and traffic and noise and everything else that comes along with it. Are you finding that the citizens are buying in that, hey, we we need to attract more people here. We, we've got something going on here that's good. How do we enhance it and how do we help it so that everybody has the ability to grow and kind of prosper together? The vast majority of people <laughs> see the change as a positive thing. So, you know, I don't want to drag politics into our discussion, but we've been a very, very pro-development, pro um revitalization city council over the last several years. Um, the election in November, everybody was reelected back to city council um, by wide margins. And I think that was an overall mandate from the people of West Columbia saying that we think y'all are doing the right things. And keep so doing it. Keep doing it. And that, that's the way we all heard the message and that's what we intend to do. So, Tom, what 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 do y'all what are you seeing the challenges in Forest Acres? Forest Acres is a lot like West Columbia in terms of we're built out. I mean, you know, there aren't vast tracts of land to go to. So we have to look at, you know, good infill projects. But then also rather than dealing with those sort of one at a time, we're in the process of re of rewriting our zoning. Um so we make those a little clearer to developers so they understand exactly what's allowed and what isn't as opposed to them having to come and ask for variances or rezoning. Um, so sort of making that more formal, I think is helpful. And that's a big exercise that we've sort of undertaken and, and we hope to see fulfilled and, and also then also create some like design guidelines. So everyone's on the same page. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, it's one of those things that citizens don't, they don't know that you're doing. Um, it doesn't get a whole lot of attention as opposed to opening a park or um, building something, but it's sort of setting the stage for 20, 30 years from now, um, which is exciting. It's like a beautification deal. You know, you start a beautification foundation and they go out and plant trees and you can drive by them for a decade and hardly notice them. And then one day you ride down the road and you look up and you're like, there's this beautiful canopy. So much of the work that we do, you know, with the ordinances and with the planning and with the infrastructure in city is just like that. I mean, you had to do that long underground work, that long you know, foundational work. And then eventually one day you really see the return on it. And I mean, I'm jealous of all the undergrounding y'all have done of, uh, of utility wires. And I mean, it's amazing you know that. That I think is a big challenge. People want to see on Forest Drive, you know, the money's crazy. And so try I think for a long time we've just looked at it and said, oh, it's such a big price tag. How could we ever do that? And I think we're trying to instead we're changing to the perspective of how do we, how do we, you know, and how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, can we pick out just an area and do it? Or, you know, how do we set it up to stage it? And so we're actually using some funds to underline a little bit, not actually on Forest, but on Clemson Drive, 
which leads to Creighton sort of in a, in a project with um, the PTO, really Jack McKenzie. I don't know if y'all know yeah. him, but he, he helped with the beautification project over at the Supreme court and he sort of sunk his teeth into this project and, and we're helping fund it. And so we're trying to figure out ways to attack that the way y'all have done, but you, it looks fantastic over there. Thank we're, you. We're I appreciate jealous. that. I think undergrounding, you know, is one of those things though that is a balancing act too for us because it takes longer to repair when power goes down. So there's the balancing act. All right, well, where do I do it? And and for us who've had established communities, I mean, if I go try to pull up Sumter Street, there's so many different utilities and stuff coming in. It, it's a nightmare. So, you know, I, our push is, is look, if, if we're redoing an area, all right, then we have an opportunity to do it. But all new, let's let's try everything new that's built. Let's get it underground there, right at the beginning, where you don't have all those challenges you don't know about till you get there. Um, but it's funny because I, I have I have constituents who are like, I don't want my power line. I want the guy to be able to come out here and hang that wire back up and get me power because of just our history, you know, between hurricanes and the storms that we've had. So it's, it's a unique challenge, you know, I think for us is because everybody, they want the, the unsightly lines away, but they want the convenience of being connected again right away. Absolutely. It could be a challenge for us for sure. Um, you know, as as we all are um, facing challenging times on hiring good employees, especially police officers. And obviously for us at the bigger level, uh, having, you know, firefighters and ever, I mean, what are y'all seeing the future look like there? I mean, I, I mean, we're trying to be creative in recruiting and part of ours recruitment is, is trying to recruit from outside our area and outside our state because robbing Peter to pay Paul doesn't help any of us, you know, and we saw that in the beginning, people jumping from place to place, but you know, what are y'all trying to do to be creative to deal with this situation? It's a revolving door in the law enforcement community right now. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said Robin Peter to pay Paul. Um, it's confounded, I think, more so in that industry than any other industry. For a long time, I did work as an attorney, as uh, a law enforcement agency, an officer, defense attorney. Whenever they were sued through the state, I would I would defend those cases. Um, and I've I've observed the changes in that industry. You know, there's a there's a it's not as bad as it was but the public perception of law enforcement is a lot worse today than it was 15 or 20 years ago. And it makes it where fewer and fewer folks want to go into that profession. And it makes it harder and harder to find young people to come in and fill those ranks. So you're in a situation where you can't replace those officers and officers are being forced to retire. Your most experienced officers who are the best to leave on the street to make sure that you have good community policing occurring are being forced to retire due to a $10,000 cap on what they can make and still participate and receive their retirement. So I'm hopeful that we can advocate for some changes to that salary cap or remove it altogether for law enforcement. And the argument against that in the past and in other industries is something that I, I understand and, and I very much support. The thought is that if you let folks stay on and work as long as they want to, you don't make room for other folks to come into that profession. And eventually you build a problem where you have nobody because you've kept folks on until they've aged out of the ability to do the job. And that's not the case in law enforcement. We literally can't go hire folks on that other end 
and you're losing all of your experience due to this requirement. And the recruitment versus the retirement is not even close. That's right. You know, for we, we had 13 retire this year and we've probably recruited three or four. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's making the hole deeper for everybody and trying to be competitive. And we've tried some crazy things, but, you know, I, I think we really got it. Then this is where I think regionally, when we pull mayors together, we got to go to the state house together and say, guys, you've got to change these type of, it's technology too. I mean, you know, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I really want to push red light cameras and speed cameras. I mean, think about if you didn't have to have an officer in a school zone and people knew there was a speed camera there and, you know, it just gave people and, you know, the argument is, well, you aren't there, you know, well, fine, then I'll make it a civil penalty. But my point is, is people know those cameras are there. They're going to slow down. So then our officers can be focused on the other average accident takes an officer an hour and a half. That's exactly right. So think about if there's a red light camera. I mean, how many times do your guys got to go to Beltline? So, so <laughs> we we we've talked extensively about this within the last week, and um, I think we've had eight retirements in the last two years, and a lot of those are people they, I mean, they're essentially being forced to retire by the by the state retirement system, yep. and and they're they're people who are willing to keep working, but it just doesn't make financial sense for their families and God bless them. I mean, I, I get it, but if we could give them that option to stay. Um, so we've talked a lot about recruitment and for a while, I think we, and then I've, on top of that, we have the state, which has dramatically increased their wages for law enforcement. And, you know, we're in the Midlands and there are a lot of those jobs available. And so we've, we've lost some people to state jobs, good, good workers, God bless them. They're getting, you know, more stable hours and better pay. I don't want to take that away from them. But what we've talked about in recruitment is instead of, and we've pulled some officers from other places, but you realize quickly, those are officers who are willing to to change to another jurisdiction for not much money again in a year or two. And um, we're really just taking the philosophy that we need to grow our own officers and that's picking, you know, younger people or people who are looking to change careers and seem invested in, in the public service aspect of it. You know, it takes longer, you know, going to the criminal justice academy, I think is six weeks. And then the on the job training is, you know, it's almost a year before we're really putting them out there in their own car. But we're hoping that, you know, we're training officers that stay with our department longer. Um, you know, I, I think we also live in a job market where you know, people don't stay at the same job for 25 years in all sectors. And it's just sort of being exacerbated in this sort of public service field. But you know, that, you know, I think growing our own officers is, well, you that's the way out of this. Them. I mean, you know, step up programs, you know, amenities make a difference, you know, going to a place where you got a full size locker, you know, and, and you got a gym that you can work out in. And all of these things are important to these folks today. Mental health was one of the top five as we were surveying people. I want to be able to be able to pick up a phone and call somebody when I've got an issue and, you know, when you see what our officers deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and the things that they, I get it in today's world. And, you know, every time somebody gets out of a car today, those guys have to be perfect, 100, because somebody's filming it. Um, and, you know, I, I get it, but 
you know, how do we improve that? Growing it the best way we can at home, but you know, I could use another hundred officers right now. I was glad to hear the uh, governor uh, address um, some attention towards mental health and mental illness recently. And I'm I'm very hopeful that the state will step up and provide some additional resources for that. I think some of the most stressful interactions that our law enforcement officers have, um, listen, going out and responding to an act of robbery, to a hostage situation, those are very, very stressful. But the wear and tear of having to be a mental health counselor and interact with folks on a day-to-day basis and do a job that they really shouldn't have to be doing has to you know, put an extreme amount of wear and tear on them. And I'm hopeful that we get some additional resources to provide services to our folks who need attention for mental health in, in our community. Well, I think you're absolutely right. You know, we got, got five pathway guys that are involved embedded in ours now to help relieve, but you know, they had a hundred and last month, I think they had 154 interactions. Our police officers had 450 interactions. Yeah you know, dealing with that on a constant basis. And I took 911 and we did a hot spot and we saw police, fire, and EMS going to the same locations, dealing with the same thing. And almost every one of those are mental health. And these people get get put into the system and then they're out in a couple of days. And I'm like, how do you, did you find that person competent that they can be let back out? At this point, so I think it's it is a lot of it's money. There's not a lot of services, um, you know. And then you combat that with most of those folks are homeless. They don't have a caregiver anymore, or they came for treatment and now they're they're not living anywhere. They can't not regulate it on medicine. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I think I think it's going to be important. I think that's one of the things regionally we're going to have to talk about. You know, is homelessness. Um, because it is increasing and we're the capital region. So we are going to have it, but it's now, it's no longer a main street issue. It's a, it's a every corridor issue. It's everywhere. It, it, it really is, it has become, and it's, it's getting to the point where it's, it's taking compassion away from our community. I think that's one of our biggest challenges is, is, you know, there's a lot of surplus and stuff at the state level. We got to start putting it in, in mental health and unsheltered. And how are we going to take care of these folks and get them healthy or into a program that keeps them from harming themselves and others? Absolutely. It's a challenge. It's a, it's a big challenge. One of the things I wanted to talk to bring up too, is that we all have the same challenges. You know, most of our roads are controlled by the state. And I really think we have to have a conversation collectively on how we get them to address it. Because my understanding, all the money is going to the highways, but you know, our our gateways to our communities are so important, and we don't control them. If you look at the um, gasoline collections, um, which which funds all of our road construction and improvements uh, across the state. You get the nail on the head. It's being utilized almost exclusively on major highways, and I understand that our, our interstates were in absolutely deplorable conditions, and they needed to be addressed. But almost all of that money, the vast majority of it, I think, if you did a study, you would find that it's collected inside of municipalities, and we're really left there where we're the mechanism for providing services to make the collections work by providing services for those gas stations. 
and we're left with no seat at the table when it comes to how to improve the roads inside of our municipality with no real funding system to tap to be able to do that. Um, no way that we could assume any of those responsibilities because we don't have funding on a recurring basis to make sure that we can do it continuously. And I think that we really need to band together and we need to look at a way um, to change the system. So if you had a municipality that was willing to assume some of those responsibilities to pull some road miles out of that state system, that there's a means for them to fund that going forward. There has to be a partnership there for us in the future because, well, first of all, we get all the phone calls. And Absolutely. Nobody's calling their state rep and complaining about the pothole. And, They're calling and, us. And in fairness, those folks who live in those neighborhoods and pay taxes in those neighborhoods and pay taxes at the gas pump to provide for better roads, they deserve to drive on better streets inside of their neighborhoods. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, and part of this conversation is is really about, look, we all have a lot of similar challenges and there are a lot of things that we can band together. And I think regionally we've got to stick together and lobby for, for our greater good because we owe it to our constituents, you know. I mean, we owe it to them, and I think there, I think there is opportunity there to get there. I think we just have to be a little bit louder than we have been in the past about making sure we get our fair share. Because I'm going to tell you, the you know, when they start talking about extending 526 and all of this, and I find out that you know, North Charleston got 57 million dollars to keep trucks off the highway, which creates more train traffic. Well, you know who takes that pain? We do. Yeah. Because we're the crossroads between those inner inner ports. So um, Forest Acres, we used to, our slogan was literally a city apart whenever I came on. And yeah, I don't think we've officially done away with it, but we've tried to sidetrack that because we don't want to be a city apart anymore. You know, we have to, we have to spend time with our legislative delegation or Richland County um, to make sure that we have a seat at the table and big decisions. So you, you know, we sort of saw that with Richland Mall. Richland County was involved in making that work in terms of tax incentives. And then, you know, you, we saw it again with state money that we got for um, for our portion of the park. Right. For us to try to be more assertive and to build that, not, not necessarily more assertive, but to build those relationships so they know what our needs are. You know, I, I think a prime example is is how police retirement is treated. If we could, you know, really make that case that, that these are different. This is a different situation. It's almost like teachers. We're asking our police officers and our teachers to deal with more than they've ever had to deal with before. But we as cities are sort of seeing, seeing some of these things, you know, with a finer perspective than maybe other people for us to band together and, and build those relationships either at the state or national or County level and try to advocate for those issues. I think it's important. I, you know, I'm a true believer in collaboration gets things done. And and I think we're at that point. And I think we're over the point that in the Midlands for a long time, everybody felt like they were competing against each other. And I just don't think that's the case today. I think everybody wants to work together. I mean, you know, we should celebrate when somebody else lands something. We're all going to benefit. It's just like Scout landed in Blythewood. But let's face it, we're all going to benefit from it. Absolutely. They're, they're coming to our Trader Joe's. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's, it's true. Um, we got to have a couple of fun minutes here before we end the show. So, you know, um, I would say 
Tim, what are a couple places that most people wouldn't know about that they should go visit, shop, eat, or what in West Columbia? Yeah, so um, State Street Trading, right on State Street. Um, Slaney Lewis runs that. She's got you know great housing and, and decor stuff in there. Uh, it's well worth checking out. I think I made the same recommendation last time on where to eat, but Tex-Mex, I ate there yesterday. Great tacos, Mexican food. And hot dogs. And hot dogs. Get leave those off. Oh, uh, and um, See, you know Jimmy's, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's Sitgo. They always tell me whenever I go in, they're like, the mayor of Columbia was here yesterday. So uh. <laughs> I always, I love, you know, I love going there for two things. Loved getting the Dixie crap in the morning, but I love going on Saturdays and getting chicken and ribs. Julio, chicken and ribs, charcoal chicken, charcoal ribs. And it's, uh, they're it's phenomenal. Peruvian style. And yeah. man, I go buy a couple chickens and I use it for, it is so freaking it's so good. good. And that green sauce to have is unbelievable. Oh, it's great it, stuff. Now, y'all got a new bakery, too, somebody was telling me We got a couple new bakeries that have opened up across town, Um, always original. Um, There's um, Casa de Postel, um, House of Cakes. Um, There's several bakeries that have opened up. Loveland Bakeries over there. Um, It's just plenty of of great breads, sweet treats. and you know, great, great places to stop and find something to something to eat, folks. If you haven't been to West Columbia to do a little culinary tour, you should. Uh, there's some really hidden gems there. Um, I'm surprised Tim didn't, you know, throw in. Don't forget Compton's Kitchen. Compton's Kitchen's always a great spot. Yeah. I was mad at myself because I've been craving chicken and dumplings, yeah. and Wednesday is chicken and dumpling day, and I missed it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> uh, you had uh, to give me a call. We'll go. We'll go yeah, eat I love that place. Uh, it's Tom. amazing. Joe, Joe Taylor would always bring folks in there. So when you go, don't be surprised if you bump into a former governor or a, a congressional leader or, or somebody in there just enjoying well, a the lunch. ribs at True Barbecue. Yeah. I, I mean, I go there to eat ribs. Yep. I mean, I'm picky about it. I go they, all they, over to They have good hash, too. Yeah, they do. Milton <laughs> does a great job with everything over there. Um, that's right around the corner from the Miles Law Firm. So yeah. if you need to stop by to see an attorney, I'm, I'm close by. Uh Tim, Tim's taking retainers uh, anytime. Come on by and he'll <laughs> buy you lunch at Tree right after. We'll work for ribs. <laughs> we'll work for ribs. Tom, what's it, what's cooking over in Forest Acres? What's well, the, the latest and greatest? I think Forest Acres has the same sweet tooth that maybe y'all have. Um, you know, we have Cardinal Crossing that has bun- nothing but cake and crumble cookies, and we're about to add an ice cream shop, Handel's Ice Cream, that's going to open up sort of in 2024. So I, I – it's like the kids can almost go there and just, you know, go all out with the treats. But then across the street is, you know, Kudzu Bakery, which, you know, I don't know if you've had the cookies over there, but but my wife will sort of find out that I've stopped by after lunch and gotten two cookies. And, you know, I know exactly how much it costs, but that's a fantastic spot. Um, you know, Tombo is, is a great dinner reservation. You pull up there and there's 20 um, golf carts in the parking lot so you know it's good um taza um, everyone loves taza but then we have a lot of exciting places opening up soon so we have um co which is going to sort of be in the old um rosso spot which is exciting and then also taco sushi is coming over um where baskin robbins was Um, chicken salad chick is going to open up which i have not had yet but everyone i'm 
everyone who's been there. Uh, apparently, you not only go there to eat, but then you have to take some home with you. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they, they know how to rope you in because you want to try everything. Uh, that's exactly uh, it's, right. it, it, it's It's fantastic. Um, Mayor Tom mentioned golf carts at the restaurant. <laughs> Let me go ahead and speak up real quick. You would please contact your local legislative leaders and let them know that we need the abilities as cities to allow folks to drive golf carts in our side of our city limits at night. Currently, unless you live on a barrier island, state law prevents it, but there's a push now to try to allow cities to decide whether or not their city is appropriate to have golf carts at night. And I would very much love to have the ability to make that legal in West Columbia. Um, I think golf carts have come a long way. They have sufficient lighting where a lot of roads would be appropriate. And I think it would be a great expansion of something that many of us love, and that's having the ability to drive to restaurants or grocery shopping on a golf cart and enjoy a night. Yeah, I I, I miss not being able to do mine at night, and because I, I will I will run to s- several different places uh, during the day. It's not a problem, but at night it would be nice to just hop in the golf cart and you know have a leisurely ride over there and a leisurely ride home. Absolutely. Well, and, and really the idea of letting letting each city decide what makes sense yep. for them. Uh, you know, let let the state devolve some of that decision-making to the people closest to to the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's a few other uh, things that we would like to have some more decision-making <laughs> on, but we'll have to we'll, save we'll that start for with golf carts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll start with something yeah. easy like golf carts. Let the people drive golf carts tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we close out, is there anything else y'all want to share? Uh, Tom, anything else you want to share about Forest Acres with everyone? No, we're, I mean, we're just excited. We have a great group, both on city council and, and even, you know, with all our other committees and boards and, uh, it's just an exciting time. Um, you know, we have things happening immediately in terms of a new park and we also have stuff happening over the next few years with Richland mall and, and a lot of growth just on forest drive and our restaurant. So it, it's a great spot to be. Uh, we're really a community blessed with great schools and, you know, comparatively affordable housing. I, I don't know that um, housing prices have gone up everywhere, but you can still, you can still, live there and get a decent home and have some great schools. And I think that's really what builds a lot of our community and drives it um, in Forest Acres. I'm just really excited to have a chance to serve at the same time as y'all. We've got um, very, very active and engaged city councils across the Midlands. I think we've got a great, great sense of collaboratism amongst us. Um, and I'm really excited to see what we can all get done across the Midlands over the next five years, over the next decade, how much improvement we can bring to this area as a whole. I think I think the Midlands is the place to be. I truly believe it. Harry Lightsey believes that we are the place for all the growth in the state. Um, you know, you don't have to sell me, you know, I'm I'm crowing and every day about the Midlands and, you know, I just happen to be one component of it, the capital city, but we're all in it together. And I just think it's exciting times. And I think we're going to look back in 20 years and go, that was fun. Yeah. I always say it, but we're many, many towns, but one community. And you're really starting to get a sense and a feel of that. Yeah. Well, folks, thanks for staying uh, in tune and listening to uh, a great afternoon with uh, our mayor from Forest Acres, Tom Andrews, and our mayor from West Columbia, Tim Miles. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to the next episode. Thank you. Thank you all.